Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, the first 12 verses of Luke 24. A resurrection of amazement. We're finishing up our Get Up series this month. The resurrections we need and the last resurrection we need is amazement. Now, remember, when we began this, we talked about how we don't get to resurrect things. Uh, we can't do the resurrecting. Oh, yeah, kids, if any of them didn't just automatically hop up and go to the tables, go. I think at this point it's okay that I forget. I believe they've got the routine down. We've talked about a number of resurrections, the, the first one being the resurrection of Jesus and a resurrection of hope for our eternity. Because of that resurrection, we talked about uh, a resurrection of uh, life. Uh, I believe the next week, help me if I'm remembering wrong, because uh, I didn't write it down, that would have been helpful. Uh, a uh, resurrection, that talked about the resurrection of Lazarus and how Jesus can bring life to dead things, grave, sealed, stone-covered, and yet, it's not too much for Jesus. Last week, we talked about a resurrection of unity, that Jesus prayed for us, and that unity was his gift, something he would resurrect in us if we focused on him. These are all places in our lives that we need to uh, yell at, maybe get up, and hear his response uh, to to resurrect those things. And this week, it is a resurrection of amazement. We've kind of been all month, I think I told you at the beginning of the month, I, I didn't like the way our scriptures worked for uh, our reading plan. I wanted Easter to be this Sunday so we could build up to it and, you know, do the resurrection and all that. Didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but turns out I'm not the one in charge. So we are at the resurrection which is uh, of Jesus, which has given us the entire month to focus on resurrection. And that is not a bad thing. Every Sunday we come in here, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So I don't think a four-week reminder of that is a bad thing. But we come now to the last one, a resurrection of amazement. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I read this passage, I read all the passages that we were going to read this past week, and I read them month and a half ago or so as I prepared for the month of April. And I, I read the, 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 Luke, uh, the Lucan uh, account of the resurrection, and I saw that verse 12, so he went away amazed at what had happened. I'm like, yes, a resurrection of amazement. We need to be amazed like Peter was amazed. That's, that was my whole thought process until Wednesday. And I started really studying and really, really looking at the passage and all that happened before verse 12, which all my people said, context, right? you got to look at the context. And I realized, hold on, Peter's amazement in this case may not be the exact amazement that we want. I'd already picked the songs about uh, I stand amazed and amazing love or whatever uh, 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 amazing Grace, and, you know, I, I had all this stuff planned out, and I'm going, none of this works. Oh, man. Well, it does, but we're going to come in the back door instead of the front door, 
all right? So just, just bear with me. Because the thing is, that this idea of amazement, and this is what I realized this week, this, this idea of amazement has both a negative and a positive connotation. Everything I read, particularly about amazement, the word amazement in the Bible, it would say context determines what kind of amazement it is. And you go to the dictionary, and you can find the, the first definition of it is overwhelming surprise or astonishment. And that's how we use amazing. If you go to, uh, I know last night here in Lake Charles was Cirque Italia, or something, it was in a parking lot. It's, it's kind of a spinoff of Cirque du Soleil. I've been to Cirque du Soleil a couple of times. And, and when you watch these acrobats do all these things, you're amazed. It is amazing to see them do this stuff. Now, you go in expecting to be amazed, right? You, you go to Cirque du Soleil. If you've never been, uh, look it up. It's, it's incredible, the stuff they can do. But you go in expecting to be amazed. You go to a concert uh, to hear your favorite band. You know, what was 2017, we got to go see U2 in their 30th anniversary uh, concert tour of Joshua Tree album, and like three of you are going amazing, and the rest of you are going, who? Um, that's okay, too. But it was amazing, and an amazing show. But you know what? We went in expecting to be amazed. We went to Cirque du Soleil knowing we were going to see incredible acrobats do all sorts of tying themselves up in knots and all this other stuff. And I went to this U2 concert knowing I was going to hear the entire Joshua Tree album performed live right there in front of me, and it was going to melt my face off, and it was going to be great. And I, knew, I just knew how wonderful it was going to be, and it lived up to the hype. I was as amazed as I expected to be. And that is the way we use the word amazed all the time. But... If you read on down in the definitions, there's, there's actually a, a section that says obsolete. Some, some dictionaries say archaic. The word amazed in English didn't always mean, wow, that's incredible. It used to mean, or at least could a lot of the time mean, huh? It had a little longer definition than that, but that's, that's the idea. It, it's, it's consternation, bewilderment, uh, perplexity. These are all definitions of amazement. Uh, uh, consternation would be amazement. The, the definition of consternation, here's what's interesting. Consternation has a definition of amazement or dismay that hinders or throws into confusion. Now, that's not the way we think of amazement. And I was trying to think of a good illustration of what kind of amazement that is. Um, that's a squirrel crossing a busy street. You know, think of a squirrel that it, you, you, you think he's made it, he's good, and then he gets to the curb and says, nope, this way, goes back in front of you, and you slam on your brakes if you care, and if, if you don't, you speed up, or whatever. Um, but that squirrel is amazed by the traffic, but not in the way we think amazement. He is bewildered and perplexed and consternated uh, when he sees this. He, he is hindered, and by the actions of that squirrel in the road, he is thrown into confusion. Those are the two definitions of amazement. 
Now, when we come to Scripture, when we live our lives in the Christian walk, we should want the first definition. Overwhelming surprise and astonishment. Expected amazement. This is going to be great, and it is. Not the second, but what we find in verses 1 through 12 is that the disciples, and for a little while the the lady disciples, were stuck in the second amazement. We need a resurrection of the first definition. We need a resurrection of amazement that is expected, overwhelming surprise or astonishment. Let's read the passage and see what's going on. As we read it, think about the verbs that are being used here. Think about how Luke is describing the action, what they're doing and and seeing, and, and the expressions, the adjectives that are being used. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They, didn't, they went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day? And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. Remember, context, context, context. If we were selling real estate, we'd say location, location, location. In scriptural understanding, it is same thing, location, locate, context. And Peter went away amazed at what had happened. Why was he amazed? Why were the women in verse 4 perplexed? Well, we're just going to work through the passage, and we are going to see Uh, Let's walk alongside them for a few minutes and and see what they were going through, what they were doing. First, they they get up in verse 1 with an expectation of death. They expected to find death when they got to the tomb. And now we we can go back to two Sundays ago when we were talking about a resurrection of life and how there are those who expect death from our church and maybe even some of us still are worried about that. We're worried that we're going to get up and come to the tomb on some Sunday and, yep, it's, it's, it's just dead. That, that is the concern. They had an expectation of death. They knew our rule that we set up the first Sunday we started this series. You can't resurrect yourself. And they had seen Jesus do incredible things. They knew all about his power. They'd spent three years with him now, seeing what he did and what he could do. They knew who he said he was. Most of them had admitted to some degree that he was who he said he was. And yet, they come to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. 
They, they've already had the discussion about who's going to roll the tomb away. We read that in some of the other Gospels. They, they knew that this was going to be a difficult trip. He's now been in the grave since Friday evening. It's Sunday morning. This was going to be a bad day. Friday was bad enough, but now they're going to try to have something like a normal funeral for him. Or at least preparation of his body. And maybe the funeral comes later. They, they, they are still doing this, this work that surrounded or, or surrounds itself or is surrounded by, is, is, is um, instigated by, death. That's the expectation. They don't expect a happy ending here. They don't expect change. They don't expect anything more than what they, the, the continuation of what they saw on Friday. They get there, verse 2, and they don't find what they expected. They're, they had certain expectations, and those things weren't realized. They, they get to verse 2, and they find the stone rolled away from the tomb. All right, that's odd. Well, now we can at least get to the body. They, they weren't expecting the body to be gone even after the stone was rolled away. It still hasn't clicked for them. So they went in in verse 3. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Just the phrasing of that sentence tells us that they expected to find the body of Jesus. Oh, they forgot to roll the stone in front. Oh, uh, was it windy last night? Uh, but, but, but the body's going to be there, right? So they go in expecting this, and he's not there. And verse 4, they were perplexed, which is a definition of amazed, amazement. They were, we could say, amazed, but not in the positive way. They, they're going, this, is, this, is, this isn't right. We're, we're, we're in a graveyard to, to prepare a body that we saw put in. We, we, we know we're in the right spot. We were here, the, the, the previous verses um, verse 55 and 56 of chapter uh, 23, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed along and observed the tomb and how the body was placed. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. They had already been to the tomb. They knew they were in the right place. They had gone home and prepared the spices because they knew what came next. They, th th this was all part of the plan. Right, this, this is what comes next. And they get there, and it doesn't, it doesn't look right. And they were perplexed about this. And then two guys show up suddenly in front of them. Perplexity increasing. Now, if you're going to a, a magic show, if, if you're going to see David Copperfield, is he, is he still alive? thinking he died or something. Anyway, yeah, if you're going to see uh, David Copperfield, or I guess the more popular one now would be uh, Penn and Teller, uh, they're, they're, or maybe I'm just old. Anyway, you're going to see a magician. It's not going to surprise you. You're not going to be perplexed by the fact that somebody just appeared on the stage like, that's cool. I have no clue how they did that, but I was expecting this. 
I'm, I'm perplexed in how they did it. I'm not perplexed in the fact that it happened. Yet these ladies were. Hold on. I'm, we're, we're perplexed about this. And then these two guys suddenly stand in front of them in dazzling clothes, and now the women are terrified. All right, there are a lot of, motion, of emotions going on here. We've got uh, uh, the, the expectation. You, you've got sadness because they're doing this, and they're coming to the tomb, and, and then it's, you're, you're just kind of confused. Um, I, I'm going to use the example this morning because uh, my parents surprised us by coming, and one of my children, a girl, uh, came down here and saw him sitting there and looked at him and walked away. Didn't say a word, didn't do anything. It didn't click with her. Wait a minute. They're, they're not supposed to be. Wait, hey. It, she just went back. She's done. She's like, all right, this is weird. And goes, and a few minutes later, she comes back and looks at him and, It's so out of, it was out of place for her. It wasn't, it, it just, it didn't, it didn't click. None of this makes sense right now, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of move on. Well, that was, that was the ladies here. None of this makes sense right now, so whatever. And then suddenly, boom, these two scary guys show up. So, I mean, just, just imagine what they are going through. Chelsea, do I need to give you a minute? I'm just waiting for the, the, the big one here. All right. So just, just think about that. And, and then these two guys show up, and they are terrified. They are terrified. But there is a spiritual element here. I mean, and obviously it's angels, right? No, no the, they've spent three years with Jesus. So... Maybe, and I'm sure they'd heard the stories about the trans, Mount of Transfiguration where uh, uh, Peter, James, and John saw Moses and Elijah standing next to Jesus talking to him and, and all this other stuff. You, you'd have to think that they'd heard about that and, and go, okay, this is kind of par for the course with Jesus, right? Things happen. People show up. Dead people come to life. This is, uh, we're at his tomb and two angels show up. What's new, you know? But it's, 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 they're not. They are terrified of this. And we just can't really blame them. I mean, it's just a lot to take in that morning. Because based on this, even if we kind of harmonize all the Gospels, we, we see that this is, this is a few minutes that all of this takes place. They've got a lot to process. And so the angels remind them, Verse, uh, second half of verse 5, going into verse 6. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he is, written, uh, he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. But notice, I think we are still in confusion, even at the memory. Now, it's going to click finally for the ladies. After this, after they remembered his words, we go to the other Gospels and we, we see that they remembered, like really remembered. It wasn't just, 
yes, those words were said. It, it is, this is an idea of putting two and two together and go, oh, he said that, and he did it. Oh, that's what's happening here. This is the realization that, oh, that's who's sitting here. That's, that's what's going on here. But I think, no, I know they get a lot of credit, but I also think they're still going, wait, what? I mean, we're, we're going to get to it, but imagine the story. The disciples are way off. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, but, but can you imagine them coming in? Peter, James, you're not going to believe what happened. No, I'll tell it. No, I'll tell it. Well, you forgot this part. And, and Anybody ever experienced that from their female loved ones? Um, maybe if uh, somebody has... Uh, I see, I see those hands. Um, I, I was thinking particular, uh, particularly about, yeah, why are you frowning, Lacey? Um, I was thinking particularly about John Watson and his discussion of two daughters. Um, uh, and, and, yeah, you, you, they all get to go, and I, this ain't a knock. I'm not being mean. Just there are a lot of words sometimes, right? Okay. Trying not to get fired here. A lot of words, or divorced, right? which could lead to multiple firing. So yeah, let's, uh, we, we, we want to be careful. But there was a lot here. And if you read the, 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 all the gospel accounts of this morning, of this hour, how long it took for, for all of this tangled mess of what's happening on that Sunday morning. And yeah, well, there's a word, I was an analogy I was going to use, and I, Etta's going, what are you trying to say? Mount Rushmore, thank you. Nobody said it. I came up with it on my own. Thank you very much. This Mount Rushmore of the female disciples of, uh, 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 that followed Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, probably the fourth one would have been in verses 9 through 11. And we can find a number of reasons why that is the case. One, because it was the testimony of women. And so, to begin with, they're like, mm, it's women saying this. We don't know if it's true or not. I ain't telling you it's right. I'm not saying the Bible uh, condones it. They are requesting you. Not only did you, no, forget it. I don't believe it. I just, I just don't. And, and, and we, 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 we kind of want to say, well, how dare they? Oh, my gosh. Are we any better? Would, would we... We see somebody comes tearing in and says, oh, you won't believe the, the, the wreck I saw on the interstate. Well, let me see if KPLC has said anything about that. John Bridges, is this had, has this been on uh, the news yet? Because I'm hearing, you know, we, we don't, we're, and, and we're not even emotionally involved. You know, so on through their heads. These cackling hens come in and are just constantly going off about all this stuff, and, and you just want to, you would probably... Soul, we disbelieve the testimony of those that say a faithful church body that will follow Jesus, read his word, worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, can be a resurrected church. We disbelieve those testimonies because they don't know the situation here. They don't know the circumstances here. They just don't know how hard we've tried before or all the problems that happened before or how dead the 
death seems to be at this point. We don't believe the testimony when it comes. We don't believe it because it doesn't come from the right sources. Well, if so-and-so would tell us this, I'd believe it. But because it's this person, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's possible. They didn't believe the story, and we do it all the time. We say there's just no way Jesus can resurrect this, whatever this is. And that's where the apostles were at this point. The words seemed like nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. Now, now we have to give Peter just a little bit of credit. I don't believe you. This seems like nonsense. But let's go to the tomb. I mean, I don't believe you or anything. But I'm going to go look at the tomb anyway. I wonder if there was a kernel of memory. A, a, a little bit of, didn't he say something about this? Or, or was it just, well, it's Jesus. Anything could happen. You know, we've seen some crazy stuff. Or is it the other side? I'm going to put a stop to this. You're not going to get my hopes up. You're not going to tell me he's back. Ain't no way he's back. I'm going to see, and I'm going to shut you up about this. There's no way he has done what he said he was going to do. And he, he goes and he looks. And when he stopped to look, or stooped to look in, he saw only linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. When the, when the ladies remembered, they looked and they were amazed and they were perplexed and they were terrified, but then when they remembered, they went and told people. Peter just went away amazed. We, we don't have, see him going and sharing the message. A, not a message of resurrection. And if, if I remember correctly, not in any of the Gospels does he go and say, they're right. In the Gospel of John, we read that John actually goes in, but, but it, it doesn't end with, and they went around telling everybody about how incredible it was that Jesus had resurrected. We, we move on to some other scenes where Jesus has to prove over and over to the point that Thomas doesn't even believe the testimony of the other men. I ain't going to believe it till I stick my, uh, I see the prince in his hand, uh, in his hand and I put my hand in the hole in his side. I, I'm not going to believe it until it's physically right here. Of course, Jesus shows up one day and says, um, Thomas, by the way, you were going to put your hand somewhere. You were going to, and he's um, my Lord, my God. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't even do it. There, there's no indication that he acted on it. All he needed really was to see and that's what he says. But with Peter, we have amazement based on doubt. We have amazement based on doubt. Peter goes away in consternation, in, in bewilderment, in perplexity. 
He walks away in an amazement or dismay that has hindered or thrown into confusion. Because a little while later, they're still hiding in the upper room when Jesus suddenly appears in there. They still don't get what has happened. They don't understand. And so they don't do anything about it. They don't act on it. And we see all of this in this one Sunday morning in the space of probably a couple of hours at most. And we need to ask why. Why did they end up negatively amazed? They had his words. They had his promises. They had all the time they had spent with him, and yet they still doubted. They were still negatively amazed, bewildered, perplexed, and confused. But church, we have the same words, the same promises, and we have the same time spent with him. We've got everything they had. So let us not go away negatively amazed. What if? What if instead we go to the tomb with an expectation of life, not an expectation of death? What if we go expecting to find life at our church on Sunday morning? What if we go to Scripture daily expecting to find life for our very souls? What if we go to prayer expecting God by His Holy Spirit to infuse us with life? What if we begin with the expectation of life instead of the expectation of death? Well, that's going to change the whole morning, ain't it? If those ladies had gone to that tomb expecting Jesus not to be there, if the conversation had been all the way there, I don't know why we brought these spices. Well, you said to. Well, I said just in case. Well, I don't think we needed to do it just in case because he ain't going to be there. Well, he said he wasn't going to be there, so of course he's not going to be there. Well, I know. That's what I told you before we left the house. So I wouldn't have to be carrying these spices right now. And what if that was the conversation? Life when they got to the tomb instead of death. What if, instead of perplexity and terror at the unexpected, we approached that with purpose and trust at the unexpected? What if, when the road turns left and we were expecting to go right, instead of going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? The end is coming, the sky is falling, there is nothing that can change this. We go, hey, God's got a new opportunity for us, and I trust that he's got something better in the left-hand turn than he did the right-hand turn. What if they had gone, and instead of being perplexed at the empty tomb, they saw purpose in the empty tomb, and instead of terror at the angels, they had trust that this was a message directly from their Lord. How would that day have turned out differently? How would our day, how would our life turn out differently if we came to the tomb expecting life 
or even if we expected death, when we got there, we saw not perplexity and terror, but purpose and trust in our Father, in our Savior. What if? What if instead, when, when the Holy Spirit calls to mind Scripture, not generally nowadays through the mouths of angels, but through our very readings, our daily readings of Scripture, daily readings of Scripture that we read last year or maybe last month, but we read again because we've all found over and over that there's stuff we just don't see the first 20 times we read it. There's stuff we just don't hear the first 50 times or however many Jesus told them, by the way, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm going to be dead for three days, then I'm rising from the grave. No matter how many times they heard it, they still didn't click. What if, when the Holy Spirit brings those scriptures back, when we remember the things Jesus has told us, when we remember the promises that he made to this church in 1906 to use it as a beacon of light for the gospel in the community of Sulphur and around the world through its involvement in the Cary Baptist Association and the Southern Baptist Convention, what if we remembered those things and when we remember them, we don't approach them with confusion about how in the world did we get where we are, but we approach them with clarity and understand this is where we are supposed to be. This is what God has called us to do. This is the mission we are to be in. This is the people. These are the people God has placed here. I am clear on the fact that God has a gospel mission for me and for my church. If we approach the, the, the day with, with that clarity and we hear scripture reminders with that clarity, imagine how the day will be different. Imagine how it would be different from the perspective of the disciples. The women got it. A few usually get it. Let's be honest. When those memories are brought to mind, when Scripture is brought to mind, when, when the, the Bible just blatantly speaks to us and says, this is where you are, this is where you need to be, and this is how you get from point A to point B, there are always a few that get it. Like the ladies. What if? Everybody else responded to that clarity the same way. If the men had said, oh yeah, he did say that. How that day would have been different. What if when the testimony of those that come to us and say, let me tell you how the Lord has been speaking to me. Let me tell you how Scripture has changed my heart. Let me tell you how the Lord has ministered through our church into the community. Let me tell you about how our roots are being strengthened. Let me tell you about how our body is being strengthened. Let me tell you about all the ways God is doing things that we can't see. We can't put a dollar sign on it because it doesn't involve money and that's okay. And we can't put a, 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 a booty in a seat because of it and, and that's okay because that's not exactly what he's doing. But we can say with, uh, not with disbelief 
at the testimony of what God is doing, but with dependence on the testimony of what God is doing, that He will continue to do that. When we hear people say, God has done this in my life, we should not, Peter, not just Peter and John, but all of them. How would that day have been different? How will our church be different when we hear the testimony, when we approach the memory with clarity, when, when the road splits, takes an unexpected turn, and we see purpose and trust in that. When we expect life, when we expect God to do great things in our church, what if instead we saw and had amazement in our church based on faith? and not amazement based on doubt. This just lines up with who Jesus is. I came expecting this show, lack of a better term, this, this, this magician's act, this Cirque du Soleil, this, this whatever. I came expecting to be amazed, and God has not let me down yet. What if we came to every Sunday morning like that? That's kind of the topic of the, the podcast that, that Amy was talking about earlier. If we come expecting God to... If we expect life. If we see purpose and trust at the unexpected. If we have clarity at the memory when he recalls things. If we depend on the testimony of his word, of people of his word, we will have amazement based on faith. Jesus will resurrect amazement in our church, in our hearts, and in our lives. And it may just have to begin this morning for you at the amazement that Jesus will even save you at all. That Jesus loves you at all. I'm amazed Jesus loves me, okay? I mean, it's amazing grace. Yeah, it is. But it's a good amazement. Didn't follow Jesus, a, a childhood that told you for, for whatever reason that, that fathers weren't good and, and mothers weren't good and, and, and people can't be trusted and God doesn't love you. And if he did, how could he let this sort of thing happen to you? You, you are confused by those memories. He wants to bring clarity even to those memories, even to the trauma that you have experienced in family and in church. You, you, you just cannot believe the, the testimony of those that would tell you, Jesus saves, Jesus saved me, he saved the worst of us, which is really all of us. You can't believe it, but he wants to bring dependence on that testimony. Yes, you can have that sort of testimony, and this morning, based on your faith in Jesus Christ, based on your placement of your faith uh, in Jesus Christ, you can be amazed good amazed that Jesus will save you. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And choose to make Jesus your Savior this morning.